this many lectures on bullying, at some time or other, most of us in our lives experience some kind of bullying. And many of us in the P-12 school system experience bullying. We're going to take a look at what it is, how it happens, who gets bullied, who does the bullying, and what to do about it. All right, here you go, bullying. First, a definition. It is a form of aggression in which one or more students physically or psychologically harass another student repeatedly over a period of time. All right, this is a school-based uh, definition. We're looking at students. It's a form of aggression. It can be physical or psychological. It's harassment, and it is repeated over a period of time. It's not just one negative interaction. All right. Bullying is often not as noticeable as other acts of aggression. Teachers can actually miss this. Um, but it has a major effect on many students. Again, you may think of your own experiences. Around the world, 15 to 30 percent of school children report having been bullied. It's probably not culturally specific. Uh, it's something that happens between children. It happens between uh, adults. Uh, in the U.S., about 10% of all school children say they have experienced severe bullying. Almost everybody says they have experienced some bullying, bullying at one time or another. So we're talking about something that is very common. All right. Teachers, parents, and other adults frequently ignore bullying, and they may actually even encourage it. All right. First of all, trying to stop bullying may cause bullies to bully the child even worse away from the teacher's supervision. Now, that's a fact. Now, there's some things you can do about it, but it is a fact. If you have children in your class bullying this one over here, you know, you may know that if you intervene too severely to protect this student and really you know, squash these guys and give them some pretty severe consequences, they'll catch the victim after school and the victim will get even worse. Uh, same situation if you don't observe the bullying and the uh, victim tells you, you punish the bullies and they will say tattletale, tattletale, get the victim later. Now it is true. And so a teacher may be reluctant to intervene strongly because she thinks, well, I'll just make it worse. Well, that's not acceptable. And we're going to talk a little bit later about what to do about it. Teachers may also ignore bullying or not seeing because it's covert. Some bullying is real subtle. Um, the victim goes to walk to the pencil sharpener and the bully puts out a foot and trips him. Well, it's not just once, it's all the time. Whenever they're in line, the bullies will shove the victim, step on his foot, grab the back of his shirt, slam him into a wall, but the teacher never sees it. Some bullying looks like ordinary give and take. Eh, kids, you know, they bop, they move around, uh, boys push each other around, girls, women, whatever. It may, teacher may just look at the interaction and say, eh, you know, that's just kind of normal. Uh, 
kids are always tripping each other. They're always doing that kind of thing. So you never pick up on the fact that it is this child the victim, this child or, or more than one child who are the bullies, and it's a consistent, persistent form of harassment. Just look like boys out on the playground, bashing each other around, wrestling, whatever. Some children who are bullied won't tell or are threatened into not telling. Again, the standard technique of the bully is to tell the victim, if you tell the teacher, we'll get you. Don't you do that. So children will not tell. Um, some children who are bullied set themselves up for it. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do something about it, but you might think, well, the kid got what he or she deserved. Some examples would be kids who whine a lot, cry babies. Kids who break down in tears and get all sniffly and whiny tend to draw bullies. Um, goody goodies, little miss perfect, um, always tattling, okay, may, again, may draw bullying uh, by making other kids resent them. Um, nerds, just kind of goofy kids, you know, uh, jerks, kids who themselves have negative interaction with their peers. They tend to irritate and bother their peers. Uh, antisocials, we'll talk about them more. Uh, kids who act out, push, shove other kids, whatever. Some, again, some kids, you look at what they do, um, you see they're getting bullied, and you know that they provoked the bullying through their own behavior. It happens. Another reason teachers, parents, and adults may encourage bully, bullying is they have real negative attitudes and, and reactions toward unlovely children. I mentioned in an earlier lecture that pre-service teachers need to get over this idea that they're going to love all children. There are some children who are unlovely. Uh, and again, the list I just gave, whiners. Well, she's in your class and she just whines all the time. Cry babies. Every time you look at him, he breaks down in tears and falls apart. Uh, he's a jerk to you. He's always burting out in class and saying dumb things. Um, again, you may have kids who irritate you or, or turn you off. They're unlovely. And you see the kid being bullied, you may say, meh and kind of turn away. You may ignore it. Um, you may encourage bullying by ignoring it, particularly if it's only verbal bullying. There's a tendency for adults, um, even if we become aware of verbal bullying, just to think, well, it's just talk, you know. They're not hitting her. They're not shoving her around. They're just making fun of her and calling her ugly names. So you may think, yeah, it's just words. Um, failing to supervise. Again, you got the interaction on the playground. You don't supervise it really well. The bullies can just, you know, slaughter the kid, shove him around, beat him up, push him around, whatever. And since you're not supervising properly, you never see it. You don't know what's happening, and you encourage it because kids know you're not there. Uh, failing to understand interactions among children. Simply not understanding what's going on. Uh, you don't understand that a certain uh, period of time 
late elementary, middle school, early high school, uh, many boys will often start sexually harassing girls. And you just don't understand that that's going to happen. You don't look for it, and you don't shut it down. Um, teachers may bully children themselves. And obviously, if you bully a child, you're sending a signal to all the other children that it's okay to do that. Right now, we're going to talk about chronic bullies. How about kids, and they become adults too, who are chronic bullies? Okay, here's my piranha, the, the bully. And when I was looking for clip art, I originally thought I'd put a picture of a, a bull in here, a cartoon of a bull for a bully. And then I decided, no, that's not it. A, a bull just runs over you and you're, you're hurt. Um, a bully keeps coming back at you. So I've got my piranha here, the bite after bite after bite. Okay, chronic bullies. Um, they're usually victims at home. They usually experience bullying themselves in the home, other kinds of violence and aggression in the home. Um, that doesn't excuse their behavior, but it's part of the explanation. Uh, they have seen this before. They have experienced it. They tend to come from very authoritarian and hostile families, families, homes that have a lot of anger, a lot of violence, a lot of repression, a lot of um, top-down authoritarian rule-making uh, law so that um, if you violate a family rule, you get a quick, harsh punishment, because unless you don't get caught. And that tends, and you remember from an earlier lecture, punishment tends to teach evasiveness. So bullies have often learned to evade detection. They tend to have poor problem-solving skills. Their approach to problems is to shove, push, bully, whatever. So they've got um, the fellow student who is a little goody-goody and she's tattling on them. That's a problem. They don't know how to interact with her. They don't know how to solve the problem. Uh, they don't even know that they have an option such as uh, ignoring her. And so they tend to find other ways to deal with the problem. Chronic bullies have learned to use violence easily. Again, it's in their home life. It's uh, the frequent or maybe even most frequent uh, response to any kind of problem, to hit, uh, to verbal, verbally abuse. They've seen abuse, they use it easily. They tend to be impulsive and want to dominate. They tend not to think carefully. They tend want to be in charge of other people or in control of other people, and bullying is a form of control. They have a 60% conviction rate by age 24, and you can just do some visualization. Uh, conviction rate for what? Alcohol, drugs, violent crimes, assault, uh, various forms of assault, and maybe even some more serious crimes. But they start down there, the convictions start, and they may start well start in the juvenile justice system. The convictions start with the alcohol, 
drug, uh, crimes of uh, low-level violence such as, you know, fist fighting, uh, possibly weapons if those are part of the culture, you know, knives, guns, uh, even murder. But you can write the scenario. By 24, chronic bullies have a 60% conviction rate. Now the victims. There are two types of victims. And here's the first one. Got my little mouse. I think it's actually a gerbil. Um, type 1 victims are passive. Now you remember I said that victims may actually draw bullying. Again, I'm not saying it's right, but the nature of the victim tends to attract bullies. Number one is the passive bully. I mean the passive victim. They're weak. They're wimpy. They're anxious, real nervous. They're insecure. They're not likely to defend themselves. Okay? The picture is of the wimp. They are likely to cry, run, or show fear. Okay, excuse me, I gotta back up here. Alright. So your type one, whoops, excuse me. All right, type one, the mouse, passive. And you can see a child who tends to get real upset and cry and, and run away and be afraid is a good target for a bully. First of all, you get lots of satisfaction from dominating and terrorizing and controlling, and you get all that reaction, the, the crying, the the fear, the running away. So you get lots of satisfaction from, from bullying this poor little creature. And the little wimp is not likely to tell on you, not going to try to retaliate, not going to pick up a rock, turn around, and uh, smack you with it. So a, it looks like a, a fun target, a good target, and a safe target. Now type two, is the proactive loner. A student who, for various reasons, has poor social skills, is a loner, but is also proactive, has a much more assertive personality than type one uh, wimp mouse type victims. This is someone who's quick-tempered, restless, impulsive, Poor social skills, likely to try to retaliate, likely to rage helplessly. Now these victims are also a lot of fun. They're a little more dangerous because they're likely to try to retaliate, but they're often not very effective. Number one, they're a loner, so there's no group of friends to offer any protection. Uh, they tend to, in some ways, aggravate and agitate the situation. They're impulsive. They, uh, they're restless, they have poor social skills, um, and you get from them the pleasure, if you set up your bullying right, that they will try to get you back, and you can just dance around them while they rage helplessly. All right, now, the effects of bullying. Uh, a lot of children suffer serious anguish and fear. The experience is frightening and humiliating. In some schools, um, even orderly schools, but especially in schools that are very rough and, and somewhat chaotic, you'll find children, for example, 
who go the whole day without ever going to the restroom. They may be just generally afraid of the chaos and uh, crime and uh, victimization that goes on in the restrooms, but they may also be uh, the victims of bullying, and they know that if they get out of the sight of the adult personnel in that restroom, that they're very vulnerable. Uh, serious anguish and fear, uh, a very frightening, humiliating experience. Knowing that just walking to school and back makes you extremely vulnerable if you've got some bullies after you, uh, children taking all kinds of routes to school and, and the bullies tracking them down and finding out where they are. It's a horrible experience for many kids. Some kids actually run away or skip school. Bullying gets so bad that they start avoiding school in general. Some become very withdrawn. Uh, a response to aggression, an attempt to hide, not be noticed, become very withdrawn, uh, blend into the background. Every year, a few bullied children commit suicide. It's always terrible when it happens, but it happens uh, that some children who are bullied commit suicide. Now, recently, we've had some violence in schools, really horrible violence in schools, school shootings, where it has been alleged uh, with more or less evidence, I'm not really sure, I don't, want, I don't want to get too judgmental here, that the perpetrator of the violence, the uh, one or more students who uh, killed other students and teachers was the victim of bullying. Um, again, without passing any judgment, uh, there may be another consequence here on this slide. All right now, in recent years, the courts have made it clear that schools, teachers, and administrators are supposed to take bullying seriously. I told you previously that sometimes teachers and administrators ignore it or even encourage it for a variety of reasons. The schools have said no. Um, you cannot say, all right, I know that if I intervene uh, in this bullying situation, these two uh, clods are going to catch this kid after school. and be." You cannot do that. You're expected to intervene seriously, firmly, forcefully and follow up to make sure that the bullying does not reoccur. Secondly, the courts have made it really clear that you're, we are required to protect all children. And again, it's important to base our practice as teachers not on whether we like this child, not on whether we love this child, but the fact this child is our student and we have obligations. Uh, instructional obligations, but also obligations in terms of safety, security, psychological, and emotional health. This is my kid. I'm obligated to protect him or her from bullying. All right, here's what schools have to do. Clear rules and procedures. Schools need to have clear rules and procedures about bullying, and they need to be school-wide, uh, in many cases they need to be system-wide, real clear rules and expectations and procedures regarding bullying, the school's viewpoint, how we handle. 
and those need to be communicated clearly to all parties. Now, a party or parties that may not be ob may not be obvious here are parents. Parents need to know how to work with their child uh, who has been victimized by bullying to report it and that the school will work with them and deal with it up front forcefully. Parents of bullies are also an important group. They need to understand the rules and procedures and penalties for bullying because guess what? It's no surprise. The parents of bullies may actually encourage them to bully other children. Parents who have that very hostile, aggressive, assertive, you go get them kind of opportunity may directly or indirectly encourage their children to bully. They may also, through expressions of racism or other types of prejudice, encourage their children to have a negative viewpoint and believe that it's all right to harass and bully children of another group. Uh, or children of another type, back to those wimps, those passive wimps. Uh, you got somebody like that, they deserve to be bullied. So it's important to make sure that those parents understand real clearly what bullying is, that it won't be tolerated, and that their children will pay definite penalty for bullying. Consistent supervision and enforcement. And in some school districts, that is coming to mean even the trip to and from school, consistent enforcement and supervision. Uh, in some areas where children have other places to congregate than the school grounds, schools may even need to reach out and deal with that problem. Um, it also means all the school grounds, not places, including places that are hidden where bullies might trap victims or whatever. Con consistent supervision, consistent enforcement, and it's the obligation of everybody who is a member of the school personnel. Careful supervision, careful enforcement. Definite strong response to any reports. Uh, again, adults may tend not to take a student's uh, report of being bullied seriously. Uh, she's this little wimp and she's always crying and she's too uh, too sensitive, and this is just kind of boys being boys. Schools need to take reports seriously, and they need to make a strong response. Strong intervention with offenders, and very often with their parents. Uh, upfront uh, intervention, statements of expectation, penalties, whatever. Follow-up to prevent recurrence communicating very clearly that this is not applied just now. This applies forever. You will never again harass this child or any other child in any way. And some follow-up to make sure that that's enforced and that that happens. Now, some longer-term intervention needs to be made with the victims. WIMP-type passive victims need some assertiveness training. They need some social skills training. Let me back up a little bit. Um, you've probably already picked up that 
I think the main thing schools should do is teach children good, solid academic content and should focus on that. But schools also have an obligation to, for children with special problems, like the passive victim, but also for kids in general, to do some training in proper assertiveness and in social skills and polite social, proper social skills. Uh, passive kids need social skills and assertiveness training. Now, the loner needs somewhat different type of intervention. Needs training in conflict resolution. This kid doesn't know how to deal with his fellow students just in terms of conflict, interaction, not raging helplessly, not trying to retaliate. Uh, what do you do when you got a problem, when you got conflict? This victim also needs training in social skills, conversations, interactions, how to stand your ground without being aggressive or trying to retaliate, you know, how to just handle conflict. Training and reduction of anger and aggression. This student may be a loner, but this student's got anger problems and aggression problems. What are some ways of dealing with that more positively? Excuse me, I have lost, I've lost my uh, connection here, so I've got to go down and find it again, sorry. All right, here's our proactive loaner. And next we have our bully. Bullies need some longer-term interventions too. Number one, they need firm control and prevention. Once a bully, always a bully, unless there's some sort of intervention. Uh, the bully in the first grade is probably going to be a bully, bully in the 12th grade, and it's probably going to be a bully at 45, unless there's some interventions, and probably maybe in jail. Um, training and conflict resolution. Uh, part of the issue is that the bully has a very limited repertoire of uh, resolution of any kind of conflict. Uh, aggress, harass, uh, psychological, emotional, or physical bullying. Training in social skills. There's a pattern here. All three groups need training in social skills. Training in managing anger and reducing aggression. The victim needs, uh, the passive victim needs assertiveness training, the proactive loner and the bully. Both need some training in anger and aggression management. All right, now, teachers and other adults are obligated to treat all children fairly, even children they don't especially like, and to protect all children from abuse. It is an active, positive commitment. Now, I'm going to give you a verbal formula it's not guaranteed, but it can help adults and children deal with bullies. Now, exactly what you say may vary according to the exact situation, but the three ideas uh, are pretty helpful if you keep these in mind for anybody who's shoving you around. All right, first one is stop that. The first thing to do is communicate in whatever the appropriate words are clearly and firmly that I want you to stop 
that. I don't like that. That's not acceptable. Whatever the appropriate words are. Stop that. I don't like it. If you do it again, I'll report it. Okay, so three concepts to, to communicate to anyone who's shoving you around. Stop it. I don't like it. If you do it again, I'll report it. Now, uh, if you look at the formula, what you're doing is you're saying very clearly, stop. That's the expectation. You're making uh, it very clear that you don't like whatever it is, and you're making it very clear that if the bully does not stop it, you will report it to whoever the appropriate person or authority is. Believe it or not, uh, in various instances of bullying, and a common uh, type of bullying is sexual harassment, the victim uh, never says to the bully, stop it. I don't like it. And you may think, why not? Well, remember, some of our victims at least are passive, uh, have a great deal of trouble with assertiveness, and they have trouble telling the aggressor, stop. I don't like it. For example, it may be a woman who has uh, a lifelong habit of being very passive, very docile. She doesn't like to ever make anybody unhappy. And she may not communicate clearly, stop it, I don't like it. She may even assume that her body language and her lack of verbal responsiveness and maybe her leaving the environment, leave, you know, leaving the room, communicates that she doesn't like it and she wants it stopped. No, say it. Whatever words are appropriate, stop it, I don't like it. The third part, which is if you don't stop it, I'll report it, is an attempt to uh, give a clear message to the bully without doing, possibly doing something to uh, make the situation worse. For example, if um, a child says to a bully, stop it, I don't like that, I'm going to go tell the teacher. Well, that may give the bully uh, motivation to grab that kid and beat stuffing out of them to uh, pay them back or prepay them or stop them from going to tell the teacher. What, so what you say is, if you do that again, I'm going to report it to the teacher. The fact is that you may, once you're out of the situation, go report it anyway. But you don't give the bully any kind of reason to uh, get back at you, uh, to say to the sexual harasser, stop it, I don't like that, that's inappropriate, that makes me feel very uncomfortable. Uh, and if you do that again, I'm afraid I'm just going to have to go through, you know, if you do that to me again, I will consider that it's deliberate and I'll initiate the procedures for stop, uh, reporting sexual harassment. If it doesn't occur again, you know, that's okay between us. That kind of uh, firmness, that kind of communication without trying to get any retaliation back on you. Now, um, at this point, I finished our mini lecture on bullying. Uh, again, I repeat, it's uh, very common in schools. It is very harmful to many children. It's harmful to adults. Uh, teachers have a strong responsibility to be alert for it, to supervise, to recognize it for what it is, uh, to take any report seriously, 
uh, when they observe it themselves, to make definite firm responses, to get it stopped, uh, to follow up to make sure it doesn't occur. Schools and school districts have the same obligations on a broader scale and every clear rules and procedures, clear communication uh, need to just stop bullying down. It is also good to include bullying and other forms of uh, negative and positive social interaction within the curriculum of the school. Again, I don't advocate spending a lot of time on touchy-feely, let's-be-nice kind of instruction, but it is important to build social skills, interaction, training, and expectations into the overall school curriculum uh, with appropriate modifications for the age of the children. At this point, uh, take care. Bye-bye.